Thank you, Mr. Wayne, for joining us today. We appreciate you, all of you guys, every week. Appreciate that. Just real quickly, I want to remind y'all that this is the Lent season. It started this past Wednesday. It was Ash Wednesday, which is from Ash Wednesday all the way to Resurrection Sunday, 40 days, not counting Sunday. So we've got these devotionals. They're free for you. It's called On Calvary's Hill by Max Licato. Some of y'all may be familiar with him. He's a great writer. Um, but please pick one of these out and you have something to kind of go through the Lent season all the way to um, Resurrection Sunday and you can read these and they're, and they're good. So I encourage y'all to do that. Well, um, glad you're here this morning. I know it's a winter break um, for our schools and some people are, have already left, but I appreciate those who are joining us online as well. Well, I did something this week um, with my daughter, Lauren. Uh, my daughter, Lauren, and I have a love for cars together. And uh, anyway, she needed... Uh, wheels and tires for her car and so we were uh, getting these uh, tires um, for her car as we were waiting on it lauren says hey dad you remember the last time you bought me four new tires was on my old car and you remember the next day i hit a curb and busted the sidewall out of two of those and you had to buy me two more and i said you're right i forgot about that i had not forgotten about that I was trying to forget about that. <laughs> y'all are laughing because y'all been there, and if not, you will be there. But anyway, we were in there, and we were kind of laughing about that. But this story at the, at the time was not funny because I remember she was 17, I think, and she said, hey, Dad, I want to go, and she was telling me where it was, and it was pretty far north of Atlanta, I think in Marietta or even past Marietta. She said, I want to go see this friend I met at, at Windshape, and, you know, we were same cabin and did all this stuff together and I'm going to go hang out with her and I said okay that's kind of far so about 11 o'clock we knew she was on her way home and she called me pretty upset because she had hit a curb and busted those two tires and uh, she said but dad there's a group of guys in a white van that are helping me <laughs> that did not help me feel better and they were amazing guys, and they were really nice. She was crying. She was all upset. She didn't want to call me, and she was telling me all this stuff. And I was like, okay, I'm going to throw some tools in the car. I'll be there in a minute. And they even tried to patch her tire, you know, or plug it. And you, as you know, you um, no, but you can't do that on the sidewall. It just doesn't work. They have to. And the big idiot here didn't get the road hazard warranty. So, you know, we had to buy brand new tires. So these guys were so nice, and they said, hey, if it were our daughter, we would have wanted to make sure somebody was taking care of him. So we just stayed with her till I got there. And uh, by the way, I have a friend, he said, that is, I can call him right now, and he has a, a tire shop right around the corner, and he'll open up for you. And I'm like, it's 1230 by now. And I'm like, no way. And sure enough, the guy opened up his tire place, came out of his house and opened up the tire shop, sold us a couple of tires and even let me help him, you know, while he was mounting and bouncing, I was taking them on and off the car and he got, took care of us that night. So it's pretty, came out to be a pretty amazing experience. But the thing, you know, that I want us to see is that we've all done that in our lives is we have something that's happened to us, an event or a happening, and we temporarily forget about it, and then something happens. Somebody or something jogs that memory, brings that back up, and we go, oh, yeah, and we say it, don't we? I forgot about that. We really didn't forget about it. We just moved it, you know, in another part of our, our brain, and the, the brain's a pretty uh, amazing thing. A forgotten event, a forgotten memory temporarily 
can resurface again at another time when our memory is shifted into that recall mode or whatever by some someone or something that happens and we go, oh yeah, I forgot about that, but we do remember it. And the human mind is a fascinating thing. So over the past few weeks, we've been in this series called Looking Back in Order to Move Forward. And in all those sermons, I've tried to get us to look at situations and people where someone looked back at a past event or uh, an events in their life, and through God's presence, through God's power, and through God's grace, that person was able to move forward. And, and a lot of times we don't even recognize God's doing something in those moments. But we started in January looking at 1 Samuel, and, and in that uh, particular book, Samuel, uh, Israel told him, their leader, we like you, you're a good leader, I guess, but your sons are pretty much uh, not good guys, and we want a king. We want a king for Israel. And Samuel was very angry about this, and he said, you know, God has called you to be different. I don't want you to have a king like everybody else in the world, everybody around you. They all have kings. Why can't we have a king? It's because you're different. You're holy. You're set apart. I want you to be different from the rest of the world. But they wanted uh, a king, and God knew this would happen, and um, he said, hey, look, Samuel, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. I knew this would happen, and we read in his prediction in the book of Deuteronomy through Moses. He goes, there's going to be a day when you get to the promised land, and you're going to have all these things, and you're going to see the people around you, and you go, We're going to want, we want a king. God had already predicted this. And he says, but God had his people look back constantly in their lives to see their need for him in order to move, uh, to move forward. And we see this in the Old Testament. It's this cyclical pattern where they kind of get away from God, and then God says, do you remember when? You remember when I came and got you out of Egypt? You remember when I came and rescued you? And they always would have to go back in order to move forward. And it's this cyclical pattern that we see over and over again. And then one week we looked at Joseph and how he had been treated horribly by his brothers and, and sold as a slave. And they told their dad that he was killed by a wild animal for 20 years. They lived this lie. But because God was with Joseph many years later, they are able to be reacquainted with each other as they came to Egypt, if you remember, uh, because of a famine to get food. And all of a sudden, Joseph tried to forget about what his brothers had done for him. But all of a sudden, he saw him, and guess what he said? Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. He hadn't forgotten about it, had he? It had a huge impact on his life. And Joseph had a lot of looking back to do in his situation, but he was able to forgive his brothers and move forward. And it wasn't easy but he did move forward. And then we looked at Zacchaeus and how God, how Jesus had called him down that day from the sycamore tree and said, hey, come down, Zacchaeus. I'm going to your house. I'm going to be a guest in your house today, much to the uh, disgruntlement of many people. He goes, why is he going to that guy's house? He's a jerk. He steals from us. He's a tax collector. And Zacchaeus had looked back on his life and go, yeah, I've obtained a lot of things. I'm a very wealthy man, but I know that I've done that by overcharging my own people for personal gain, and he wanted to make a new start. He wanted to go forward, and Jesus helped him do that. And then we looked at Job from the Old Testament and how these horrible things happened to Job where he lost all kinds of, of his livestock, and then he lost his family, and all these terrible things happened. And he had some friends who were great at the beginning. They just sat with him and tried to comfort him. But then they became what Job called his miserable comforters because they started spouting off all this horrible theology to Job, basically going, what'd you do, man? God only lets bad things happen to bad people who have done bad things, so certainly you must have done something bad. And Job was very 
bothered by this, and, and Job maintained his righteousness, and he questioned God. He goes, why has this happened to me? Wish I'd never been born a few moments. And he maintained his righteousness. But then finally, we read where God spoke. And whatever everyone else had said up until that point was overshadowed by God's incredible knowledge and God's incredible grace. And Job was able to move forward knowing God in this new and profound way that he had never known God before. So today we're going to look at the Apostle Paul from the New Testament. And before Paul was Paul, he was Saul. He was a different guy, not only in his name, but in his life. And when uh, Saul looked back on his life, he had this dramatic um, conversion experience that transformed his life. And wherever he went after that, Paul shared about his transformation, about what had happened in his life. So we're going to start today in the uh, letter to the Philippians, which is one of the letters in the New Testament that Paul wrote a lot of those. And this particular one he wrote to the Philippians, a group of people who were Jesus followers in Philippi. And this is what he says. He's talking about his life. Listen to what he says. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things." I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining the resurrection of the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but listen to what he says here. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me and straining toward what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now, this may be familiar for some of you, and again, I'm always excited if no one's ever heard this before because they get to hear it for the first time. I hope it's something that inspires you. But this text has this one part where Paul says, and a lot of us remember this, a lot of people quote this, forgetting what is behind me and straining toward what is ahead. That's a good, that's a good uh, philosophy, isn't it? Forget about what's the past, move forward. But in reality, Paul does not forget what was behind him. Because he shared that past conversion experience everywhere he went after it happened to him. Every time he went to a new city, he talked about that conversion experience. He talked about who he was as Saul and now who he is as Paul because of the grace of Christ. And whenever Paul shared the gospel of Jesus, whether it was to an individual or to a group of people or people assembled wherever it was in different times and places, Paul talked about what was behind him. How do I know that? Well, let's go to Galatians, another letter in the New Testament that came after the letter he sent to Philippians and listen to what Paul says. In chapter 1, verses 13 through 16, 
For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, when God who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. Does that sound like Paul had forgotten what was behind him? He just brought it up again. He says, forget about the past, but he brought it up again. He talks about his previous way of life, how he persecuted and tried to destroy the church. I thought you put that behind you, Paul. And then, but when God, but when God. And Paul could not forget, could he? I can't forget, because that transforming grace of God that hit me the way he hit me on that road to Damascus that day, it has transformed my life, and I can't forget about it. And sometime later, as Paul continues to travel on on what we call his missionary journeys, he continues to write letters to encourage and challenge and equip the people that are Jesus followers that he's started those churches. And he sends one to Timothy, a young preacher, in a town called Ephesus, after Philippians again, and listen to what he says. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners... Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Does it sound like Paul has forgotten about his past? No. He says, I was once a blasphemer. Notice, once I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, a violent man. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and he says, whom I'm the worst. He has not forgotten. He couldn't forget. The grace of God was too powerful for Paul to forget. Do you see how God created us to have the ability to look back and recall things for our good, the good of others, and for his power and message and grace to be hoped and shared? It's something that God gave us for a reason. The power in Paul's preaching and teaching was that he couldn't really forget the old days of Saul. He didn't want to forget those. Saul the legalist, Saul the Pharisee, Saul the guy who persecuted the church. He needed to remember that old guy because he never wanted to be that guy again. And that past is what made his story so powerful. That past is what made God's grace in his life so powerful. That past is what made the gospel of Jesus Christ connect with other people. Because when they heard Paul's messy story, they go, I got a messy story. He has a messy story. And God transformed him. He can transform me. If he was the chief of sinners, maybe God can do something with me. And Paul's transformation, that story of that past is why God chose him a Jew of all Jews who thought that anybody else was not worthy to hear the gospel, God chose him. And so that past made him understand 
He was handpicked by God to do that. And we read in the New Testament book of Acts. Acts is called Acts of the Apostles. It's right after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John where we hear about the life of Jesus. And then after Jesus came and died and rose again, the church started on the day of Pentecost. And in chapter 2, Peter preaches to this crowd at Pentecost because here again, Peter is not the same Peter he was a few months ago, a few weeks ago, a few years ago. He's a different guy. And he preaches to this crowd at Pentecost. And in that message, Peter, in a powerful way, tells the crowd, you need to look back in order to move forward. And so he says this, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, I'm talking about right now, you whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. He's saying, look back. You were there that day when you could have released him. And instead, you know, all those, a lot of those folks were there and they said, crucify him. We don't want Jesus to be who he, he says. If he can't take over and get us out from under the thumb of Rome, we want them to crucify him. And Peter's saying, y'all, we're all there that day. Don't you remember? And it says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Looking back allowed these people to be cut to the heart. That's a great term, isn't it? Cut to the heart. Have you ever been cut to the heart? Something affects you so deeply in your mind and your heart and your soul that it makes you think about life and death and your life and the length of your life and why am I here and where am I going? And that's what that did for those people that day. He said, look back, you were a part. And Peter's not saying he wasn't a part. He's the one who denied Jesus. He knows he was a part of putting Jesus on the cross because of his sin. But he understands it differently now because of the Holy Spirit. And so when they were cut to the heart, what did they say? What shall we do? How can we move forward? And Peter told them the good news of Jesus Christ. And Jesus transformed 3,000 people's hearts that day. That's an amazing thing when you think about it. And then we move on from chapter 2 of Acts, and we read in chapter 9 Saul's conversion experience. Go home and read that. It's an amazing story. And after this conversion, Christians heard his name, and they said, I've heard he's become a Christian. I heard he's flipped, but I don't believe it. When they heard he was coming, they were running and hiding. Even Ananias had to come, uh, had to have a... The Lord come to him in a vision and say, I want you to go to Saul's house and I want you to touch him and give him his sight back and I want you to baptize him. And Ananias going, I'm sorry, did you not understand who this guy is? And, God, and the Lord said, yeah, I know exactly who he is. That's why I'm coming to you in a vision. And Ananias went and he laid his hands on Saul so he could see again. And he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he baptized Saul and Saul became Paul. People were skeptical, but the more... Paul told his story and showed by his actions he was a different person. People believed. And that's true in our lives, isn't it? I can talk all I want about the transformation of my life, but until you see it, you don't really believe it, do you? In the same way with all of us. People don't want to hear about your transformation. They want to see your transformation. And Paul did that. He kept preaching and people go, I guess it's for real. I guess it's for real. Look at him. He's going all over the world. He starts a riot everywhere he goes and he gets thrown in prison. And guess what happens when he has to come out and speak? What does he talk about? His past. He says, I have to share the gospel because this is who I am now. So people move forward and Paul moved forward toward what Paul 
wrote was the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So do you see what forgetting really means? It's not, it's purged from our memory. You know, you remember in the movie Men in Black when the, the agents had that little thing and they'd stick it, oh, and all of a sudden they forgot everything. That's not real. Y'all know that, right? No. <laughs> and either is saying forgive and forget because we don't forget. But the power of forgiveness sometimes is you looking at me and saying, Craig really hurt me. Craig really hurt me. He did something that really hurt me, but he asked for my forgiveness. And since then, he's done things that show me that he really needs and wants my forgiveness. That's how you know it's real. So when you see me again, you don't forget about what I did. You go, he's different. She's different. He's different. That's the power of having that memory, even in the midst of really trying to forgive somebody. Forgetting means not letting our past failures, our past sins, hurts, or even our successes and joys. Sometimes we can live in all the great things that happens, and, and we think that's going to go on all the time. And sometimes we get all, we want to, uh, we can't let go of those things. You know, I was watching the uh, NBA slam dunk contest last night, and I'm going, one day you guys aren't going to be able to do that. And then what are you going to do? You know, it's true, isn't it? We laugh, but it's true. We only have so many to do those things. Sometimes people revel in their, in their successes and their joys, and when those aren't there anymore, where is my identity now? And Paul saying, my identity used to be in all those things. When we, That first text I read, it was all about being a Pharisee of Pharisee, obeying all the laws, being a legalist, being as good as I could be, better than anybody else. And he says, but that was an empty life. And I look back on that now, and what did he say he called it? It's garbage. I now have a new life. I know what my real identity is. So yesterday I was uh, refereeing some uh, little kids' basketball games down the street. I think I'm pointing in the right direction. Down at Palmetto Baptist Church. And um, uh, it's, they have an upward uh, basketball program. It's really great. They've been doing it for years and years. And so um, at halftime of these games, they have somebody from their church just... It's not necessarily a minister, sometimes it is, but yesterday it was all just people from their church. And there was a guy who did a really good job, but then there was this lady who was a cheerleading coach for some of the little girls, and she got up, and you could tell she was kind of nervous about sharing, uh, you know, a devotion. But man, she started telling her story, and she was talking about the suicide of her dad, and her mom getting killed in a car wreck, and her four-month-old dying and being a, a, an addict, just a, a really bad addict. And then she started talking about, but now I don't use, you know, drugs and alcohol to numb that pain anymore. I found Jesus and he's transformed my life and I don't need that anymore. That stuff is real. She wasn't saying it didn't happen. She didn't say she forgot about it. But something about Jesus' grace had transformed her. And I'm not, this is not my words, these are her words. And I was like, that's amazing. She's got a story, and she needs to tell that. People in there needed to hear that. They didn't need to hear, hear a boring preacher like me go, wah, 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 wah. They were listening to her. They were listening to her. So another thing that, that happened to me um, a few years back is when I was going to Atlanta Christian College, um, I played um, basketball there. And it wasn't because I was good, okay? Because if you had a face in those days, you could play on the basketball team. <laughs> And, and so our first year, we were 1 in 22. 1 in 22. Yeah, it was, it was a character-building season, let me tell you. But I tell you, when we, won that first, when we won that game about halfway through the season, we were celebrating, I can tell you that. But um, after my fresh, that was my freshman year, and after my freshman year, I was playing, and I totaled my car, and I had to quit the basketball team, and I had to work, and uh, 
Um, I worked some odd jobs working cleaning um, office buildings at night. And another thing I did was working for this church at the old building running a basketball league. So I had to come in, turn, in all, turn on all the lights. I had to keep the book, keep the scores of all the books. I had to pay uh, the um, referees and had to get the balls out and shut everything down when everybody left at night. This was an amazing learning lesson for me because as I got to know those referees, I was like, wow, they're really, they're really people. They're actually nice guys. And actually, you know what? I like them. You know, and I had to keep the score. But you know what I saw those two years that I did that? I saw what a jerk I was on the court. I watched these other guys and I'm going, I can't believe that guy's acting like that. I can't believe he's getting that mad because if you were any good, you wouldn't be in church league. You know, but they were arguing and and they were complaining. Yeah, it took you all a while to get that. I understand what you're saying. Okay, all right. But anyway, I'm watching that, and I'm seeing Craig out there. I complain about every call. I think I never, you know, I never foul, and I, and I, you know, and I get fouled all the time. And I watch that, and I go, that's what I look like. That is horrible. And a lot of those guys were preachers and people from churches. This was a church league, and I thought, this is terrible. They treated the referees like they were less than human, and I'm like, I'm paying these guys. Not, there's no way this is worth it to put up with that. So... My senior year, I was able to get back on the team, and it changed me. And so um, this guy came up to me after a game and goes, man, what happened to you? And I said, what do you mean what happened to me? He goes, man, I'll just be honest. You were a real jerk on the court a couple years ago. Every time the referee calls something against you, you acted like, and I was like, I know, I know. And I told him what happened. I said, man, I saw, and it changed me. It changed me. I was a different person because I didn't want to be that type of person and it can happen to all of us. So, going back to Lauren and the tires. So, Lauren and I kind of had a laugh about that night. Because it wasn't funny that night, I can tell you that. But she had some good observations about her past experience with curbs and tires. And it's actually been a good thing in her driving experience. And, in, and it was a life lesson for on many you know, levels that night. Not just about that, but I was like, you know, Lauren... I hope you know your dad is never going to care more about a couple of tires than I care about you. I hope you know that. That was a life lesson. There was a lot of those that night. But this time we're getting tires, and they were, we were getting tires because they were worn out, not because we busted them on a curb. And yes, the big idiot this time got the road hazard warranty. Looking back, you move forward, right? Just in case, just in case, Lauren. I trust you're driving, but just in case. But what about us today? What about you and me? What part of our past has allowed us to move forward? And we hold on to it a little bit because it's important for us to remember that so we can go, yeah, I'm not that anymore. I'm somebody new now. And what part of our past is, is maybe holding us back? God gives us memory to help us to be who he created us to be from the very beginning, to remind us that he's been working to move us forward since we were born, since the creation of the world. He knew that when he made us, we were going to move backwards and do stupid things. And he wanted us to look backward in order to move forward. He had a plan. God knows us, and he loves us anyway, and he wants us. He really does want us to spend eternity with him. He really does. So this morning, we're going to offer that invitation for someone to... Put your past behind you and move forward. And yeah, you're going to have a reference. You need that reference, don't you? 
So you don't completely forget it, but you try to move forward in remembering that God has transformed you by His love and by His grace. And so maybe somebody needs to submit to that today. So we're going to offer that invitation. But we're also going to uh, go into a time of communion. And, and most of y'all here know that. Maybe there's some of you who are visiting today. And we're glad you're here, but we take communion every day. You know why? Because we don't ever want to forget what Jesus did to reconcile us. We don't ever want to forget. Yeah, y'all, come on up. I forgot to call you, my bad. Um, uh, we don't ever want to forget. And Jesus gave us a way to remember and never forget how much he loves us, and that's called communion. Through his death on the cross, the night before he went to that cross, he says, I want you to have this, this way to remember. And I want you to take a little piece of bread and remember it was my body given for you. I want you to take this cup of that time it was wine, but it's juice. And, and I want you to take it and remember that my blood was shed for you because I love you. Don't ever forget that. Don't ever forget that. And so we do it every week so that we don't forget. So we don't get, oh yeah, I forgot. Jesus died for me. No, we want to remember it all the time. So we're going to do that in just a few minutes. The band's going to lead us in a song. And I'm going to ask you all to stand. We're going to try to get in that frame of mind to remember what God's done for us. But if somebody does have a decision this morning, I'll be right here and try to walk you through it. So let's stand and prepare our hearts for communion. Mm-hmm. <clears throat>